morning. Thank you for joining us on Subject ACT, 2XXFM's local current affairs and news program on Tuesday the 19th of July. I'm Doug Davey. Today on Subject ACT, we talk about the soon-to-be-released documentary film Footprints on Our Land about Ngunnawal elder Auntie Agnes Shea. We talk with the eldest child of Auntie Agnes, Mary Bowick, and granddaughter Selena Walker. And later in the program, we talk with highly respected Australian filmmaker Pat Fisk of Bowerbird Films about the making of this documentary film, Footprints on Our Land. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. Footprints on Our Land is a documentary film that celebrates the life and legacy of Ngunnawal elder Auntie Agnes Shea, a survivor, warrior and advocate for her people. We have with us in the studio now Auntie Agnes's eldest child, Mary Bowick, and granddaughter Selena Walker to talk about the making of the documentary film Footprints on Our Land. Selena, could you just tell a bit about what you know of Nan or Auntie Agnes, as people would know? My Nan, Auntie Agnes, she's the senior Ngunnawal elder here in the ACT. She has been an advocate for Aboriginal affairs for a long time now, and she has been involved in so many different projects. There is a remarkable presence about Auntie mm. Agnes. Mm. She's a founding member of the United Ngunnawal Elders Council, mm-hmm. the Ngunnawal Healing Farm, the Galambri Circle Sentencing Court, and in fact she was the first Ngunnawal person to be awarded both the Order of the Medal of Australia and received the Chief Minister's Award. Are there any other achievements? There's lots. You know, she carried the Olympic torch. She received it from the, the plane along with the, uh, yeah, yeah, the Beijing. Yeah. Beijing. Yeah. So yeah, you know, there's other achievements. Mary, what are some of the great things that, that Aunty Agnes has done that you can recall? I think Mum's always been very much a carer, very much about promoting the Aboriginal community, very much about promoting reconciliation and a quiet achiever. There's no bombastic approach by Mum. It's about working with people to achieve whatever project she's working on at the time. She grew up on a mission at Yass. And she often makes the point that I've only had a mission schooling, which meant that she went to about third or fourth grade. And she always uses that sometimes as an excuse (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, she's not important enough. But I always tell her she's been to the University of Life. What an amazing story from a lady being born on a mission near Yass to be doing so many great things. Mary, can you tell us a bit about the Healing Farm? Well, the good thing about the Healing Farm is that it is actually out on Aboriginal land. It's a significant site. Just close by where the building is erected, there's a ceremonial site that was Mm. the men's ceremonial where people were initiated. That's in view of where the residents of the farm will be. So the cultural aspect of it, it's, it's not just the medical healing, it's the cultural and spiritual and healing. spiritual side, yeah. yes. So that's why it's really, really significant. And it's about getting the right medical and therapist, but also cultural and spiritual healing so that these people can become whole again. What time frame has Aunty Agnes been trying to get this together? I would say... 12, 15 years. And it is opening later this year. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. I can remember when um, Nan travelled all around Australia to visit all different rehabilitation centres, um, doing the feasibility study with it, for it along with, there was three other Ngunnawal elders as well. And yeah, that was at least 12 years ago. And she will be the elder that does the uh, welcome ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Mm. She uh, she was the elder that broke ground with the minister once all the the legal stuff was all finalised. 
I'm glad that in her lifetime she's going to be able to open those doors. <laughs> oh, what a great day. Selena, what are some of the things that you remembered about Agnes uh, as your nan as you were growing up? What was it like? I think it was always her presence. She was just, she was always there. We'd always be sitting around the dining table having cups of tea and, and just yarning, just talking. Simple thing like just talking or, you know, we'd be out in the Gunji where we'd be just be talking around, mm-hmm. you know, just having conversations. And you don't see that in, in this day and age. It's very technology-driven. Yeah. and So growing up was very much of a face-to-face family time. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And, and you talk about family gatherings as being quite a, an exciting time. Can you tell us a bit about that? <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's kind of like organised chaos, I think. <laughs> um, they're always fun. They're always a laugh. Yeah, you you never forget one because there's always something that happens or something funny that happens <laughs> that you know you'll always remember it by. But yeah, it is. It's um quite large being such a large family, and you know Nan being 84 years old, she's got grandchildren, great grandchildren, great 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 grandchildren, great 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 grandchildren. It just never ends. So, and I mean she just sits there in the centre of it all, and <laughs> you can just see her smiling like she's so proud of what she's achieved and. Mm. Not just what she's achieved, like, you know, in terms of Aboriginal affairs, but looking around and, and seeing her beautiful family, that puts a smile on her face. I think that's what you mentioned in the documentary, that family to Auntie Agnes is the most important thing for her life. Mm. Mm. And that has certainly trickled down, because mm. that's my priority as well, is family is the most important thing, and that's why we'll never be broken, mm. Mm. is because we are such a strong unit. The other thing about mum is she's got a very very wicked sense of humor <laughs> yes. and that comes out at all the gatherings you know mum mum will always have a story to tell that's funny and it always relates to a family member <laughs> and sometimes to herself the thing that that really i remember as a child or you know teenager was <laughs> mum's lead foot she <laughs> drove like a bat out of hell didn't she selena <laughs> You could see her driving along the country roads there at Yass, you know, and there's this little car and this great big plume of dust, you know. (laughs) There comes Mum. (laughs) So it's probably safer that she has a chauffeur these days. Yes, I think so. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Although, as you'll see in the documentary, first thing she said to her driver was, you're on trial. (laughs) So straight up. (laughs) he has to pass the test. Yes. Auntie Agnes is 84 years old. Now, that's quite an achievement in itself Mm, absolutely the average lifespan of an aboriginal person these days um, particularly the older generations is that they don't kind of live past 60 Mm. which is very sad and for nan to be 84 years old and to be still very much at the forefront of aboriginal affairs it's very proud as a granddaughter i feel privileged that we still have her here you know a lot of family and friends have lost their their grandmothers and they've lost that that connection so and that support and yeah. yeah so it's great to be able to have nan still here with us would you describe her as a calming element to the family or oh absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. she not only has the respect of the community and politicians but everyone knows that you don't mess with nan because <laughs> <laughs> she's only a tiny lady she, she is yeah but there's a real strength and i think now, um, don't let that fool you. <laughs> no, Stan, John Stanhope did refer to her as, mm. yes, yeah, he's never seen her angry, but he knew there was that strength inside mm. her. What have you learned from Nan? What does she pass down to you? I think the, the most strongest thing that I've got from Nan is to be upfront and honest and to never give up and to always look for the positive in everything. Yep. Um, never focus on the negatives. Um, otherwise you get nowhere. And I mean, 
you can see it. You know, she's 84 years old and still running around like she's, you know, 50 years old. <laughs> she seems to have more energy probably now than she did yeah, when she was she younger. Does. Yeah. Wow. And, and Mary, growing up with Agnes, mm-hmm. can you tell us just a little bit about what it was like as a, as a child and what it was like growing up with her? Well, as an Aboriginal family in Yass, it wasn't easy. We were treated with a very racist attitude. Mm. But as Selena said, you know, mum always um, looked on the positive side of things and if you do the right thing by people, you respect them, they'll respect you back. Mum's mother, my grandmother, was one of the stolen generation, so she was taken from the mission at Gundigai and she was put into Kutamundra Girls' Home from the age of 11 to 21, not allowed to be with her family, see her family. So that's my mum's background. My nana was always very positive. She was Mm. never bitter about what was done to her. And mum's very much the same. Mm. She's a very positive lady, very much a carer. But she is also very well respected by politicians, church leaders, community leaders. And I think you don't get that sort of respect unless you've earned it. You talked about the racial discrimination from all those years ago. How much progress do you think we've made? Uh, more in some places than in others. In which way? You know, we've got more Aboriginal people going to school these days than we mm. did, say, 30 years ago. But um, you look at employment and it's pretty, pretty So low. that's a big challenge. So there's still room to grow. Mary, you, you talked about welcome to the country ceremony. Did you want to just explain just a little bit about responsibility will be passed on? Mm. Within an Aboriginal culture across Australia, to become an elder, you have to have reached a certain standing in your own community. You have to have respect of the other community members. Mm. And uh, it's almost an obligation that as some of the senior elders become too frail to continue in the role of particularly ceremonial roles that you step up, but you've got to earn the right. So, for instance, my mum's the senior Ngunnawal elder in the ACT. If I lived here in Canberra, it would be my honour to take Mm. over mum's legacy. But because I don't live here, then I can't represent the community. We've now passed that legacy on to my niece, Selena, and she's doing a really, really good job. (laughs) <laughs> and I've noticed there's a few times where Auntie Agnes hasn't been able to welcome to country and you've taken over those opportunities. So, yeah, I'm the last minute girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, very proud to take that on. And it's such a good feeling when you walk into uh, a room full of people and everyone knows who your nanny is. And, oh, you're, you're Auntie Agnes's granddaughter. Oh, you're like royalty. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself that. But, yeah, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> your Royal Highness. Yeah. <laughs> What is your passion, Selena, for the future? So my passion for the future is definitely to continue the work that she's done in Aboriginal affairs, to fight for Aboriginal people, for our community, to strengthen our community, particularly with our young ones, being a role model for them, and also to to teach them that, yeah, life's tough, but that doesn't mean that you give up, you know? Life is worth living, it's worth being here, even though it is hard, and to always look for the positive in everything. We're warriors and we're survivors of our past, we're not victims of it. And it's to build on the traditions of the past as well. Yeah, and Mm. to continue our cultural practices and to keep that Aboriginal culture alive, you know, even in contemporary. Selena, what would you see as some of the the key issues that still need to be developed and worked with Aboriginal people? Definitely incarceration rates. 
particularly here in the ACT, um, care and protection, suicide is massive. What do you think we need to do to move this or to improve these things? We, we almost have to go back to the beginning and start with our preschoolers and our kids mm. at school, get them to be very, very proud of their culture and who they are, where they come from, mm. that they're not marginalised. And that strength of knowing who you are, where you're from and who you belong to will help them get the education, get the employment, be independent, but still be part of the Aboriginal community. That's how we are, isn't it? Yeah. And unfortunately, if you look at the the statistics, like particularly in care and protection, there's over 400 kids in care just in the ACT, like over 150 of them are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. Mm -hmm. So you look at that and you've almost got another stolen generation there. It's working on fixing up the identity gaps in the community and making them proud to be Aboriginal. So when you say identity gaps, what do you mean? Well, when they're removed, Mm -hmm. they're not placed with... Kinship care. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, kinship care is scarce, mm. and so yeah, the foster care they have to go to foster care, and we tend to lose them. And this one thing I noticed in the documentary, the talk about time being away from your family is a time being away from your people and your culture too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not just within care and protection as, as well. You know, you look at incarceration; it's it's the same thing. They're exiled from their community, from their community, their culture, their connections, and that's an issue as well particularly look at the you know deaths in custody that's another major issue as well that we're mm. we're talking about the documentary film footprints on our land mm-hmm. about Ngunnawal elder auntie agnes shay can you tell us a bit about it i think everyone should go and have a look <laughs> at it because it's well first and foremost it's about my my wonderful grandmother <laughs> but also it shows aboriginal culture in a contemporary way but it also shows the positives side of it and such a wonderful person she she is such a positive person and you can see that through the documentary that mm-hmm. you know the hardships that she has gone through and overcome and the racism that she's had to face she never let her put it down she continued on she's a warrior that racism you talk about i don't see that bitterness in her no absolutely not no she's not a bitter person at all so where does her strength come from her culture she has so much respect for her mum unfortunately we lost nana violet and then you know selena and i both have so much respect for mum and nan it's just it's a strength of culture and it's it's about doing the right thing lots of times when Rani rang me up and said that Mum wanted my opinion about whether or not we'd go ahead with a documentary, Rani told me that Mum was considered like a living treasure to the people of Tuggeranong and that they wanted to acknowledge the work that she's done as being a Tuggeranong resident but also an Ngunnawal elders. That's where the idea came from, from the Tuggeranong Arts Centre. It was a really good opportunity. Not many Aboriginal people get to have their story told whilst they're alive, particularly elders, in such a professional way. It's, it's a beautiful documentary. And, you know, I'd encourage anyone who wants to learn a bit about the local Ngunnawal culture and more about how our families work to come along and, you know, enjoy it. It's only about 40 minutes, so it's not a lot of time. You'll enjoy it. It was quite funny. When we started the project, Nan didn't quite understand. She didn't get a picture of what it actually was. And she kept questioning, why are they asking me this? And why are they asking me that? Why are they getting people into... They think I'm lying. (laughs) And I said, no, Nan. And the only way that I could explain it to her was to go, 
this is like a this is your life and all these people are coming in on camera to talk about their experience with you and she was like oh okay now i get it <laughs> one one of the funniest things was when we talked to mum about making the documentary she said well who are they going to get to play me <laughs> she thought someone was going to be <laughs> Playing Auntie Agnes, <laughs> and I don't think anyone could play Auntie Agnes. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Even when we were when we were watching the draft cut, she was in tears because being eighty four years old, that's a lot of memories. And Nan has an elephant brain; she can remember everything and every word that was said. She was laughing at her own stories and crying at things and things that were said about her. Like, so that yeah. was her reaction when she first mm. saw when she first the watched documentary. it. Yeah, wow. it, w- it was really moving. Mm. Yeah, and what that was about my yourself, Mary, when that you first was saw the documentary. We were at home in Echuca, Moama, and Peter and I were watching it on some internet stream. (laughs) I watched it twice and I was just in tears. We had to very quickly give Pat the feedback on that and I just said to Pat, it's it's moving. As a family member, very moving. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's a visual reminder of what used to be to now. We read it in books and we get told about how our elders were treated. And when you see it in a film with the voiceover, like it, it's really quite confronting and it mm. hits mm. you right mm. in the heart. Yeah. It kind of puts you into that position where you're like, wow, if that happened to me, how would I feel? Like, exactly. So it's good and it's going to be such a good piece of footage to be able to show, you know, my kids and my grandkids and, and so on, you know, for our family to be able to show our future generations like our ancestors we we talk about ancestors all the time in our culture and that's all we can do is talk about it because we don't have visuals don't have anything you know we've got artwork in rocks and stuff where it's all been documented but for my children and grandchildren to be able to see and hear their ancestor that's special to me very special yeah yeah now is there anything else that you'd like to say I would love to see this viewed in school. Nan, when she was younger, she used to visit the school with Uncle Bob Huddleston and they'd sit there and and talk to the kids and and tell them stories and stuff. So I would love to see that work continue in the form of this DVD. I guess if Mum's hearing this, thanks Mum for being you. (laughs) (laughs) That was the eldest child of Auntie Agnes, Mary Bowick, and granddaughter, Selena Walker. Stay tuned to 2XXFM 98.3 as highly respected Australian filmmaker Pat Fisk of Bowerbird Films talks about the making of the documentary film Footprints on Our Land. We welcome director and producer of Bowerbird Films, Pat Fisk, to talk more about the making of the documentary film Footprints on Our Land. Pat, welcome to Subject ACT. I was contacted by Ronnie Worm from the Tuggeranon Art Centre with an idea of making a film about Auntie Agnes because she was getting older and she thought it would be a really good idea to celebrate Auntie Agnes's life before, like while she's still alive and because she's done so many great things and she asked if I'd be interested. I thought that there should be an Aboriginal director that I could work with. So they went away and tried to find someone in Canberra who could do it and work with Auntie Agnes. And there were some problems finding someone. So then they came back to me, Ronnie did, and said, you know, would you, you know, would you consider directing us? Yes, okay, good. (laughs) Get me a young Aboriginal person who wants to learn more about filmmaking, whether 
they're a filmmaker themselves that want to be, that would be great to at least pass on my skills to someone else. So this was a collaboration between the Tuggeranong um, community? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, they commissioned me to do it. So Fantastic. that's how it came about. And in meanwhile, when they had asked me, of course, I did research and I could see that Auntie Agnes was a really interesting character. And so made me want to do it as well. And I've made quite a few films about Aboriginal subjects or in Aboriginal communities. And I'm always interested, of course, in that area. So had you met Auntie Agnes before you were commissioned to do the film? No, but I did go down to Canberra and meet her so she could say, yeah, I can this woman, <laughs> which I really enjoyed that, that that happened. We had a really, you know, like we were talking for about two or three hours and, you know, it was a really nice time and we connected there and felt good about each other. And the Tuggeranon Art Centre had found Navanka McKeon to work with me. She's an Aboriginal woman from Broome, mm-hmm. so she had any trouble working in Canberra at all with any subject matter. She was really great. She was really keen, and uh, we worked, you know, well together. It, it, it all worked. M- meeting Auntie Agnes in person was very special, and so Ivanka was there as well. Your first impression of Auntie Agnes, what was it like? Well, she uh, uses a walker, mm. and she's very small. She's very quiet, but she packs the punch. How's that? <laughs> well, she does. She definitely does. And so quiet, and she meanders through life and has quite an effect, but she's very quiet. She has so. quite a remarkable story. I mean, the way that you tell it in the documentary really does hit your heart. That's what I found. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Someone who grew up the way she did, and her mother and grandmother and all the stories, and she's not bitter at all. She doesn't have a bitter bone in her body, and that really impresses me, you know, and people could learn a lot from that. Whatever happens to you, you can soldier through it, Mm. soldier on, and I think she's uh, very inspiring because of that. Probably also, you know, like she, you know, her philosophy of respect is very impactful, I think, and her involvement in setting up the Golambi Circle Sentencing Court, Bush Healing Center, and like seeing the, those things through. And finally, I mean, the Bush Healing Center will be open in September. And so, you know, that's been 10, 12 years in the making, really. And she stuck through it. She, she and a couple of the other elders have stuck through it. And helped, you know, just push it forward. That is amazing commitment. Damn it, she's got a lot. From the commissioning to the now the screening of the show, how long did it take this whole process? Oh, that's a good question. Probably, you know, six months, you know, not full time or anything, but from initially talking to Ronnie to today, probably six months. And any challenges along the way? Yes. <laughs> Finding archival footage and photographs from the time when she was growing up in near Yass in the Aboriginal Missions, Oak Hill in Hollywood, mm. I was kind of shocked that I couldn't find hardly any photos of those two missions. And even historical societies in the area, they had very little documentation about those Aboriginal missions. And it just, it's kind of uh, made me sad because they weren't important enough, I think, probably what it was. So uh, just finding archival footage, and that's why we've reenacted or we've created footage to go with the stories. There wasn't enough archival footage, and I quite liked the way 
we did it too. It worked. I think it works quite well, like from the filmmaking point of view. Mm. And we stylized some uh, material. Some of the footage showed the dwellings that Artie Shea would have lived in as a child, like the bark walls and the the iron roof yeah. and the the yeah. dirt floors. Was that actually footage of from that area? Or no, no, but we you know we took great pains in finding something that was similar, and mm-hmm. it took a lot of research. The editor even did some research and found some places we could go to. The editor's Karen Johnson, and she loves to do research. She did some of the research, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he found and and Nevanka as well, and Kim Beamish, who was one of the cinematographers. They went out and tried to find shearing sheds as well as I did, and we tried to find you know all, something that would uh, be similar. But I did contact the shearing shed. The people that own that, they never got back to me. They got back to me once, so I couldn't, you know, I wanted to go film there, but I wasn't able to. Because it still exists, this shed that (laughs) where Auntie Agnes's first husband uh, worked at. It's a remarkable retelling of her childhood, so thank you very much for the way that you told it. How would Mm. you describe the documentary and what is it about? about a, a very strong Aboriginal woman who has been instigated and um, instigated many things for her people and mm. she's inspiring. I want, you know, like I wanted to be, I want people to be inspired by the film. There was talk from Selena today that she would like to see the documentary shown in schools as well to, to show an example of the, the Aboriginal history but also as a challenge and a motivator for our upcoming generation of children. I agree totally with that and it could be in every school, primary, secondary, tertiary school and institution it would be great so it would be available for classes and people to see. Some of the people that were interviewed and spoke about Auntie Agnes, were there any special people that stood out to you when they were talking about Agnes? Uh, Well you know they all had such passion for her, I mean, you know, like I'm not, I couldn't like pick one out. They all spoke about her in different ways, but I couldn't name one that they all did. They yeah. all did in their own little, you know, in their own way. Amazing. They were all very heartfelt comments about her, weren't they? Yes. And I mean, I would, they wanted a tribute and that's what my brief was to do a tribute. And that's what the film is. It's a tribute to a wonderful woman. Selena said that it's unusual for someone to have a tribute in their own lifetime. So this is quite a unique <laughs> experience, basically. Yes, that's true. And I think that, you know, Ronnie having that foresight, Ronnie Worm, mm. um, who's the CEO of um, the Tottenham Art Centre, um, it was really great for her to have that foresight and we should be doing it much more. Because that was another comment that was made. There is not a lot of documented history in regards to the Indigenous people and yeah. to have it while Auntie Agnes is alive and mm-hmm. with us and also the upcoming opening of the Healing Farm. She really is a legend in her own lo- lifetime, isn't yeah. she? And, you know, she works well with other people, like on the committees. They, several of the people we interviewed worked with her on various committees. And she just fits in. And I, I love some of the stories they told that we couldn't get in. Film, yeah. you know? um, <laughs> or we did, but they're very brief. With the filming and the production of this documentary, Footprints on Our Land, mm-hmm. is there a new insight that you've gained from this experience? Well, I've learned a lot. 
of mm. my thought about, you know, or it reminded me, time reminded me of things that I know that, that I don't think about necessarily, and about, about the respect, respecting people. I mean, I do respect people, but the way that Auntie Agnes teaches about respect is quite deep. And to think about how you react to people and what you take on yourselves and how you read and anger and, oh, I mean, all kinds of things. Mm. It just reminded me that I need to be more careful <laughs> about with um, my relationships with people and not to get angry, not to, um, you know, just to think before I act, that kind of thing. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? You were commissioned to produce this film, yet you have gained so much from it. Yes. From and, that journey. And you know what I love about documentary is it's a privilege because you are invited into people's lives that you mm. would never meet otherwise. Mm. I find it a real privilege. And to meet the whole family, now I know I've got another family out there. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a chance to say one thing to Auntie Agnes, what would you say to her? Auntie Agnes, you have enriched my life on many levels and I will remember the lessons I have learned from working on this film about you for many many years to come probably for the rest of my life Pat thank you so much I really appreciate your time thank you so much for all well, that you shared today now, thank you for having me that was highly respected Australian filmmaker Pat Fisk of Bowbird Film talking about the making of documentary film Footprints on Our Land there will be a public screening of the documentary film at the Tuggeranong Arts Centre on the 29th of July. To book online, go to tuggeranongarts.com or phone 02 6293 Join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 on Subject ACT with Carolina, Patrick and Jeff for more current affairs and news. Coming up next on 2XX at 9 o'clock is Radio Landcare. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3, people-powered radio, celebrating 40 years of community radio in Canberra. Thank you for listening to Subject ACT. I'm Doug Doby. Have a great day.